This is DWZ Podcast here with J-Rod here, the lead at WrestleZone's very own podcast of professional wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod, folks. Welcome back for another episode. I officially want to apologize to everyone. You see, last time, yesterday, well, today is, in fact, the, um, how do I say the 17th or the 18th? No, it's the 18th of January. I was supposed to do a podcast for all of you guys yesterday on the 17th, but however, I was caught because I was trying to catch up with other pro wrestling shows that came around. Amongst them, it's going to be two of them that I'm going to be talking about on this particular channel. So I'm very excited to get around, but there's a lot of things we need to talk about. And a lot that I want to discuss and all this stuff. So let's go with right now with the ROH Renegades. Now, some of you are probably saying, who the hell are the Ren the ROH Renegades? Now, if you guys had pay attention what took place on Impact Wrestling or Hard to Kill after the Hardcore War match, we had some members of the ROH, uh, well, formerly of the ROH roster, we had... Um, the OGK, Matt Taven, uh, Mike Bennett, along with Vincent and PCO, and we cannot forget the First Lady, Maria. Now, these guys attacked everyone in that ring. And, of course, we saw, uh, what's his name, Dem Scott Demore was telling Gia Miller, like, did he knew anything? Well, he said he had nothing to do with it. He didn't know this was going to happen. The reason is this. We all know that Jonathan Gresham was going to be there. But them, that's a different story. So he goes out saying, I'm going to get a hold of Baltimore. Basically, because Baltimore, uh, ROH headquarters down in Baltimore. And, of course, he got back on the, on the on the impact from last week where he mentioned, okay, I talked to them. They said that they are not representing, uh, of course, Ring of Honor. So that's pretty much it. But it kind of put in a tailspin for the other members of the roster who, in fact, are there representing Ring of Honor. I'm talking about Roxy and Jonathan Gresham. Now, Roxy, on the other hand, was on the main event to put the ROH women's title on the line against uh, Diana Praza, where it's winner takes all. The, her title, the Triple Reina de Reina titles, she was in hiding because she did not want to feel that Many of the people of the ROH roster were out, I mean, of the Impact roster, thinking she was involved, even though she's not. She's there to represent Ring of Honor. And that's the same thing that took place with Jonathan Gresham. Gresham, on the other hand, he was trying to explain that these guys do not represent what Ring of Honor is all about. He felt that these are, there were mixed emotions because they're saying, if you guys remember, if you follow Ring of Honor in since the pandemic, there was a war between who will reign supreme. I'm talking about like people who are into the pure champion, pure wrestling style, like Gresham, the rest of the foundation, and all of that. And it, he said that his honor is his word. But however, Macklin didn't believe that crap, so he thought it was just a load of bullshit. And I and that's what I think. And then later we, but earlier in that day, we did saw the the, the ROH Renegades take out D'Lo Brown and all this, like trying to send a spectacular. And of course, Impact Wrestling rosters were not, they were not too thrilled what these guys did. Of course, uh, we had Kingston, um, Rhino and Heath tried to hunt them, but they were attacked by them. 
all of it. So it, it tells like an invasion story. But the last thing we saw from last week on the on um, on Impact, where as soon as Diana Prazo beating Roxy, Maria shows up demanding that she hands over back the title. And she was in the, in the scare against the ROH Renegades. Even uh, Matthew Renrold, the drama king, tried to intervene, but he got himself beat up. So what do I think about the story? I like to, I like to say it was pretty interesting. You see, they never said the fa uh, what's the name of their faction. I mean, I like to call them the ROH Renegades because they are renegades. They're rogue. They're actually doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. And that's what I think it it tells me. Uh, I mean, if anybody has any objections to that, that's fine. But unless if they have any name, that's that's fine. But, however, it did reveal later on that PCO is now officially signed with Impact Wrestling. Does this mean the others will? There were reports about Maria and Mike Bennett returning to Impact Wrestling. That is yet to be seen or heard. But we'll see how it goes. Now, moving on. Recently, we just received a very interesting message coming from Mustafa Ali. Mustafa decided that he is requesting his release from WWE. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, oh, not a, what a waste of, of this. I agree. I mean, look, if you guys remember that ladder match that he was in, we all... We all, uh, how do, how do I say, assume he was going to win the, the uh, how do I say, money in the bank match, but it ended up in, uh, how do I say, in Brock Lesnar's hand. And that many people probably thought it was a load of bullshit. And, and I, I can understand that because, you know, we want to see younger, fresher talent to do it. But... That is the thing that we haven't seen. I feel WWE hasn't been fulfilling. This is what I find a load of bullshit coming from theirs. If you guys remember, I think it was in 2020 or so, where the USA Network were having issues with WWE, or saying we were demanding younger and newer talent because they're relying on some of the veteran wrestlers. And I feel that that is going to cause a problem. You know, we're putting wrestlers that... And that's the thing. Look, you can criticize about AEW, but there's a thing. Here's the reason: there are wrestlers in that ended up in WWE in AEW that they never got the opportunities that they should have gotten with WWE. But now WWE is doing the same old thing again. But it later was reported that uh, Mustafa Ali said that he is done with wrestling in general. I'm like, whoa, that is insane, but understandable. The reason I say this is that I don't know if it took a toll on him on his knowing that, okay, you know, it might have caused some things with his family. I don't know. Or he just doesn't trust wrestling anymore. I don't know what's the, the scenario, but hopefully uh, it, whatever he decides, we know as fans will be right there to cheer, cheer him on. So I think that's pretty much what we can do for him. But right now, I think that's it. So we can do is wish nothing for the best. But hopefully, WWE can release him because we still don't know yet. Because WWE have been adamant about who should be released, who shouldn't be released, that sort of thing. But that's still like, how to say, 
in open air right now. And hopefully something will come around to that. Okay, now let's move on. Speaking of WWE, if you guys may have heard recently, MLW has suing WWE for anti-trust. Basically, this is what happened. In the early 2021, MLW were going to have a restart. They announced months prior that they were having a TV deal with Vice TV. Now, to me, I was most excited about it because I love MLW. They're an amazing product. <laughs> Completely different from every other promotion I've seen it. Now, when the official date saying that they were coming to do it, it never happened. Now, I never understood it. Now, much of this information was later revealed by none other than FIFO Select, Sean Ross Sapp. Now, he has been sticking to this story from day one. He did. He does have connections with the, the promotion. They never told him what was going on. And this is what happened. He did say that he saw Vince and someone from the Fox network talking, and he overheard a word called, good thing we next step for that program. It's later revealed that WWE had something to do with what happened with MLW with having TV deal with Vice. Now, this is what I've been told. Fox owns Tubi, basically a network, and they were uh, MLW were planning to do broadcasting there and the same and AE uh A and E own Vice TV. Now this is what the crucial part that was later revealed. When a representative of WWE found out what was going on, they told them both Vice TV and Tubi to to cancel their programming. They just did. But they also admitted they were being told by WWE what to do. This has caused a, a problem right now. They're, they don't want another competition. Uh, keep in mind, right now they're, comp they're they're dealing with AEW with what they've been doing. They they failed to stop them. Now they're seeing this promotion is now doing the same thing, and they're trying everything in their power. But Core Bauer is taking them to court for their interference. So it turns out that they are now interfering with the with MLW's progress. Like they had some contract signings and all this. Basically, they had a TV deal. But because WWE got involved, it pissed them off. Now, more information that relates to this also revealed, if you guys remember, 2018, Madison Square Garden had enough of WWE not fulfilling their word. Now, if you remember, Madison Square Garden have been great hosting a lot of WWE events. That includes Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. In recent years, they haven't. Madison Square Garden send letters and emails to the promotions if they want to do something in their show. Ring of Honor responded because they want to do the Super Card of Honor there. Now, Triple H personally called them and said that they want them to shut them down. And, Corp and uh, Sinclair filed a lawsuit against WWE, and they won. So basically, if you guys are wondering, ROH had two wins on WWE on this one. So it turns out there's a lot of interference. Now, some people are going to say, but this one was like, what, four years ago. True, but it relates to it. And now we got MLW in a 
much different circumstances. But some of you probably are saying, this is going to be a long shot for ML. I mean, yes, I mean, it is a long shot. But if there's any miracle, if MLW succeeds winning the court against WWE, the lawsuit, this could open the door for other promotions who've been trying to get a TV deal for a long time. Imagine WWE have to deal with this crap. If that's the case, then I don't know. It, it just feels that you know, there's they, this was really, really stupid out of their part. WWE should have not interfered, but they act like they fucking own the fucking wrestling world. That's the problem. They don't want no other promotion. They're saying we run this fucking world. That's how it is. That's their their uh, word. Remember, they're trying to abolish the independence. Ain't gonna happen. But I have to say, hopefully MLW can find something that could help them win. Because uh, it, they deserve to have a TV deal. Or hopefully someone has a brain idea to give them a network or something. I don't know. But we'll see about that. Okay. This latest development happened yesterday. You may have heard. Cody Rhodes is now a free agent. Now, for some of you WWE loyalists, you're probably saying, Yeah, Cody's coming back to WWE, baby. Fuck you, AEW. That's what you guys are thinking. But the real question is, how do we know that's the case? The answer to that question is, we don't. Now, those are speculating, oh, he's going back to WWE. Others are saying, this probably is just a ploy part of the storyline. Whatever the scenario is, I don't, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's like, it's still unclear what is going on with Cody. Now, apparently Dave Meltzer did report it today that Cody will be in AEW tonight on Dynamite. I mean, well, tomorrow night on Dynamite. However, he did state it that Cody will not be at the Rumble like some of you probably hoped for. Well, ain't going to happen. So that's pretty much what is telling us. Now, this whole thing with the free agent, there are those are saying something else is kind of interesting that maybe could be true. Think about it. What if this is a way for Cody to hopefully one day get the AEW world title? Now, remember, when Jericho was the world champion, Cody put the stipulation. If he's unable to beat him, he will not be competing for the AEW world title ever again. What if that's the case? What if he can't get the, the title as a part of the AEW roster, but as a free agent or a freelancer? Well, that is something we can discuss about. I mean, many fans probably would want to see him be the AEW world champion. I don't know. But not a lot of information is being told of what's going on in this. But whatever it is, we'll just have to wait and see what's been happening. So hopefully we get the answers that we need. Now, as you all may or may not know, I've been behind on Dragon Gate. But I have recently caught up a little bit. There has been some interesting developments that took place at the start of last December of 2021. With two factions that took place all the way to this month of January. In the start of, of December of 2021, Masquerade 
two of its members were in mask. Shun Skywalker and Dragon Die were involved in a match against two mass wrestlers in the villain faction known as R.E.D., Real Extreme Deficient. They are, in fact, um, also mass wrestlers like Diamante and Die Inferno. What happened is, in this particular match, something took place that was unthinkable. Shun Skywalker sacrificed Dragon Die to save his own skin. I'm like, whoa, that is nuts. I did not expect that coming from him. He sacrificed his own guy of masquerade to lose his mask. I did not expect that. But of course, the one person in R.E.D. who took pleasure and fun of Dragon Die losing his mask was S.B. Kento. He's like laughing, mocking him. Now, I, there was no translation or any subtitles on this particular night. However, something has happened that put S.B. Kento to its to his core. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about. I mentioned this guy named Dragon Die Inferno. When Dragon Die first appeared, he began having a feud with a wrestler named Die Inferno. He looks like a dragon, like an actual dra uh, dragon mask. He's been at war with them. It was still unclear why. Why is he attacking him? So it kind of put in a questionnaire, like, what was his purpose? Why did he attract attack dragon die and make no sense until this particular day on the, uh, December 1st of 2021 during Fantastic Eight where dragon die spoke out now I don't know what he, he said but I can try to guess but to me I feel there's a reason what happened Dragon Die, I believe he feels that, no, uh, Die Inferno, I mean, felt that without Dragon Die's mask, there's no purpose for him. I look at this like the story that both Dragon Die and Die Inferno are yin and yang. One cannot live without the other. And I feel like that's a, a very interesting story when I watched this. It was like, Die Inferno cannot live without him. And then all of a sudden, Die Inferno removes his mask. And it revealed who it was. It was Yuki Yoshioka. I was shocked it was Yuki Yoshioka. I haven't seen this guy in almost two, three years. The last time I saw him, he was part of the, of the faction known as Mochizuki Dojo. And I don't know where he was. I don't know where he went. And he walked out of, of R.E.D. I just didn't know what was going on. Now, one month later, in, recently on the, what was it? I don't know, the 12th of January of this year, R.E.D. and Masquerade were having a six-man uh, six tag team championship where it's for the Open the Triangle Championship. We have Masquerade consistent of Shun Skywalker, Jason Lee, and... Kota Minora. Now, 
Dakota Minora and Jason Lee were in odds with Sean Skywalker because they haven't forgotten what he did to Dragon Die. He refu they refused to co-act as Masquerade because they felt, what the hell were you thinking about Dragon Die? He refused to talk about it, and they haven't forgotten or forgiven him for what he did to him. And now we're getting the same old response with R.E.D. in that very same match. You have S.B. Kento, Eita, and of course, no, Hyon, Eita, and Keito Ishida. Now, Eita and Ishida have been in odds with the other members of R.E.D. recently. I don't know why, but the match ended where Shun Skywalker just completely went out of his mind and threw the match away because he was pissed that the other members are not cooperating in Masquerade. But Hyon, on the other hand, offered him to join R.A.D., which he did. So that meant that Masquerade has been officially disbanded. But however, that does not end there. While they ups while Hyon uh, offers an olive branch to Sean Skywalker, this is why it happened. Hyon they knows Sean Skywalker because we're part of the same class together in the Dragon Gate Dojo. And Ata did not like that Hyon went behind his back to recruit him, but Kaito Ishida has issues towards Sean Skywalker from the past. Their history has been recorded. Many times over how much they hate each other. And that's when R.E.D. turned their backs on Eita and Kaito Shia, kicking them out. So they got rid of them. But however, that does not end there. Dragon Die comes back that very same night where S.B. Kento, who at the time was the Open the Brave Gate champion, took on the new re return and repackage. Dragon Die looks like a skateboarder to take on SB Kento. But Yukio Oshioka, formerly known as Die Inferno, shows up, helps him to, to become the open, the open the Brave Gate champion. I was like, what the fuck? And now, they, later on, the following day, SB Kento and Hyon had to put their tag team titles on the line. They opened the Twin Gate titles. And they lost to Yoshioka and Dragon Die. But however, that does not end there. Shun Skywalker has declared himself as the new leader of ROED. Now, later on that very same day, on the 13th or 14th of January, ROED attacks Eita and Yosuke Santa Maria for the now, you say, wait a minute, why Yosuke Santa Maria? Why would they attack her, him? Well, R.I.D. doesn't give a shit. They just want to beat up anybody that stands in their way. If, if... But later, Eita along with Ishida, but the surprising company by Yosuke Santa Maria, he decides to join them. Not because they, they, he got beat up. Maybe because he saw something in this. Now, Eita and Ishida said this. Those guys are fakes. They are the real R.E.D. This is going to bring a civil war 
about red so basically that's going to be like that but however officially it did say ata and ishida are out i don't know if they were planning to do form like a somewhat new version of red as a faction i don't know but here's why um ata was kicked out why that the red guys got rid of them ata has been recently been appearing on pro wrestling noah with los perros de mal de japon they question him you're not here. You're over there. So basically, they don't like that. They think Eita chose de, uh, Los Perros more than them. I mean, it's understandable, but I don't know. I just think it's telling us a very good storyline about this one, and I think I like it. I like what they're going, but hopefully we'll catch up to more about it. Now, let's talk about the debut of Terminus. That's right, folks. Terminus. Modern day, modern age grappling that started by Jonathan Gresham and Baron Black. Oh man, every match was great and unique. Now, I want to confess to everyone, I never gave a shit about that, the modern day grappling, until I, I saw Jonathan Gresham. He was awesome. He was like exactly like what I expected. And I love certain. Now, there was one match that kind of got to me. There was a four way match, but. It involved Daniel Garcia, JDX, Invictus Cash, and Adam Priest. Now, how did this four-way match go? It turns out two two wrestlers can be outside in a corner like tag team, and they can tag each other in until one is eliminated and later turns into a three-way, and everybody's involved. And I thought that was unique. But, yeah, my initial thoughts of tournaments is, ex I, is exactly like I thought it was. It was great. I loved it. And I think I might have rate this into an 8 right now. An 8 out of 10. And I just love what Terminus has done. And I think... But however, this is the situation that I started to question. Two ROH World Championships were on the line. The one that Bandito has and the other that uh, Jonathan Gresham has. Now, the one that Jonathan Gresham has is only to be put on the line... In pure rules match style. Yes. You heard me correctly. Pure rules. So basically the kind of style that John DeGresham used. And that's what makes me think. Wow. he's He knows exactly what he's doing with it. So. I just. I just love what they did. But however. We will see one day where one title will be. Uh, there will be like a somewhat unification of these titles. And I just felt like this is going to be good. I don't know when that will happen. But it was announced by none other than Santana. There will be a second Terminus. It's going to take place on February 24th. I'm excited for it. The real question is who will be in fact be in it. That's a question I'm definitely, definitely be excited for. So that's pretty much what I got in tournaments. Now let's move on to one of my new favorite all-female units in Japan, Prominence. Now, I talked about Prominence before. If you guys don't know who Prominence is, I'll, t Prominence, I'll tell you who they are. Prominence is an all-female uh, unit or faction that are based out of... They were originally from Ice Ribbon, consistent of Risa Sarah, Zuzu Suzuki, Akina Fujita, uh, Mochi Miyagi, and of course, uh, Hirage Kurumi, 
they all left Ice Ribbon to form this group. And now they're putting shows based on hardcore and death matches. And they just recently did a show with uh, Gakken no Fuji, which runs by uh, Miyako Matsumoto. But now they did a self-produced show called Pre-Launch Round 1, where all all of the members, with the exception of Kurame, who's in fact out on injury, uh, there was matches that were... It was like a small theater type with a steel cage frame in the front, which was great. It started out with, of course, singles competition. We had each a hardcore match. We had Suzu Suzuki versus Mochi Miyagi. And then there's... That one was pretty interesting. Only Miyagi walked out with the victory. Second match was Risa Sarah versus... Uh, what's her name? Akane Fujita. And that one ended in a time limit draw. But however, the final match was a tag team where Suzuki teamed up with Risa Sarah. Mochi Miyagi teamed up with Akane Fujita. Now, Kurumi was there too, you know, watching it. And even she got herself involved on certain occasions. But I think this show was pretty good. I have to give it a six and a half. I know they can do better, but it was a good show. A self-produced show with just all of them involved. So I think this is going to be interesting to see more Prominence. I'm really, really happy I can actually see what they can do. Now, if you guys haven't seen Prominence, you can, you can go to watchprowrestling.live. Just look it up. you see. Just search Prominence, and there's the two events, and you guys will love what you see. And I'm becoming a big fan now of Prominence now. So, so that's how I feel. So I hope everybody enjoys me talk, making the, this content make video, I mean, podcast for all of you talking about this great stuff. I love doing this for you guys. Hope you guys enjoy listening to what I uh, review, talk about, and discuss. But right now, I'll see you guys in the next DWZ time. Same DWZ channel. I must bid all of you adieu. So, goodbye. Mwah! And have a nice day. Bang!